All right, listen, I know you guys probably forgot that we started a series three weeks ago or whatever of the way of the kingdom about being children. I did have a chance to talk to a gentleman named Jack Taylor. You know Jack. But I mentioned about, about children, and I, I go, you know, if, if we'd had any other command uh, that unless you're converted and become like a soldier, we'd have uh, Christian discipline classes that had logos and camouflage and everything else, or unless you become like a porpoise or something. And, you know, but because it's children, it's just not taken seriously enough. And Jack so agreed with me. He's, he's uh, uh, obsessed in his late 80s about the kingdom of God. And uh, this is a command that basically says, unless you are converted, become like a child, you won't enter the kingdom. So uh, this is the, the second of those, those messages. And then we're going to continue them, I, I believe, as we go to Friday night by jumping into First John. So that's where we're going, because First John talks a little bit about this stuff. But I kind of put the subtitle on there, Children Honoring Children Receiving the Kingdom. And uh, here's the scripture. It says, see to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. It's, it's in this big, long section about Matthew 18. Despise is a word uh, that I'll talk about in just a second. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. That is a kind of serious statement. I mean, if, we're, if, if entering the kingdom is a big deal, that's kind of a serious statement, you know. All right, so here's that word. Kataphroneo is to think down about. That's what this means. And I think that's the problem. I think that we have minimized in our hearts and minds the significance of the way a child sees and interacts with the world around them. And therefore, we don't recognize that that is the way the kingdom is built. First of all, all of the kingdom is built around the father's child. That would be Jesus. And the promise in the beginning of the Gospel of John is that they that, that receive him, those that believe on his name, he gives the power to become children of God. So the very threshold issue in the announcement of the Gospel in the prologue of John is so that you and I can become children. Because the Father, don't be afraid, little children, the Father delights to give you the kingdom. Now, I've learned one thing, that as, a, as approaching the, the kingdom as an adult instead of a child, I obviously and logically assumed I had to work for it. I had to earn it. I had to be diligent to get it. A little child never thinks that way. I mean, you've got to work hard to associate their allowance with their chores, right? They expect the things that we do for them that a father gives them. And they don't associate it with work. But adults do. So anyway, becoming a child opens kingdom understanding up to us as Jesus sees it. And these are his insights. This is just a little bit of a review. So here are some scriptures. Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children. So this is the first child task. We are to be converted from whatever we are. And I'm just going to call that adultness. We're going to be converted from that to be like a little child so we can enter the kingdom of heaven. The second, whoever humbles himself as this child, and this is all out of Matthew 18 where Jesus called that little child to sit on his lap. So humility is not thinking of ourselves weakly. Remember uh, in the Old Testament, the scripture says that Moses was the most humble man, but he was leading, you know, four million people or whatever the name of the number was. So there is a humility. That little child ex expressed his humility by coming when Jesus called him and by being presented in the middle of that group. What if our humility only manifests as coming when Jesus calls 
and being presented the way he wants us to be presented? What if our humility consists of us being used as an example for our brothers and sisters around the world? Wouldn't that be okay? Then you could even be a little proud about the way you can putt and not be violating humility. You could be a a little proud about how good-looking you are at 60, whatever all of us are in this room or whatever. (laughs) Did I not turn the red line on? Make it quick, Ronnie. I've got to get through this. So is it feasible to take uh, entering the kingdom as something that we do now? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Good question. That was quick, too. Well, I mean, you, can, you got another one? Well, entering, um, entering, I'm looking differently as experiencing. Okay, well, I, I'm not sure the two are, the, are, are different, but we'll, we'll explore it a little bit. The reason I can say with such assurance a quick yes answer to that is Jesus came out of the wilderness and said that he was preaching the kingdom of God and his declaration was, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within you. So, yes, yes. And I'm not saying that there's not, I'm looking over at Nancy, I'm not saying that there's not big, huge transitional things about how the kingdom manifests and all this kind of stuff. What I'm saying is all of that is somewhat irrelevant if we won't fight it tooth and nail. We won't think it to death as reasoning adults. If we'll become like children and just be swept into it, if we'll be called and be presented like this little guy was, we'll manifest humility and we won't have to worry about whether we're humble enough or not. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Think about this for a second. So, if, if one of you or if all of us become children, We grant people the ability in receiving us to receive Jesus. Now, I don't even know what that means, but it means something. And it sounds really good. Look at that. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So, Josh, if you can can join me and learn to live like a little child, God can use us as a gateway, a doorway for people to receive Jesus. And I'm not, you know, strip that receive Jesus away from all of the paraphernalia that we've got in our minds. It's just a matter. So Jesus told Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he goes on to explain that I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. And there is a closeness there. There is an outward and an inward manifestation that has something to do with this. And we're, as adults, the best we can do is try to get people to agree with our ideas. As a child, we can give an opportunity to receive us. I don't fully know what it means, but it's why we're talking about it. Does that make sense? It's experience, that's right. Yeah. People can experience the kingdom through us before they know enough to go after it themselves. You receive something you're experiencing. That is, you are. We had that conversation on Tuesday a couple weeks ago. Uh, whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it would be better if, you guys remember what it would be better then? Millstone around your neck, and then it, this, this whole passage gets into the serious stuff of cutting your hands off and gouging out your eyes because it's better to only have one hand or one eye than to be thrown into Gehenna where the fire burns and the worm doesn't keep eating. So there's a lot here to, to, to study about, but this, this just sets the stage for the seriousness of this call to be children. And again, the absolute mystery that down through the history of the church, this has a bit more emphasized. Become as a little child. See to it that you do not despise. That's the one we there. That word means look down on. And this is what I think the problem is. 
We are blind to the recognition of the value of being a child of the Father. We would rather be a saint of the church instead of a child of the Father. Or, Jason, we spent a time when we were trying to be, or uh, Jeremy, we were trying to be special forces, baby. (laughs) Not just regular army, special forces. If we concentrated on walking around in diapers, we'd be 100 miles ahead by now. Right? You think I'm nuts, but I think it is. Okay, here's an interesting one, and this makes it kind of awkward to read. But the word that it, the way this phrase is translated in New American Standard is not the will of your father. What it actually means, if you go and look it up, it means that nowhere in the presence of the father is there a will that any one of these little ones should perish. That's the security side of becoming a child. When you go to heaven and you stand there in the face of the Father, there's not one voice, there's not one thought, there's not one inclination that one of these little ones would perish. That has some implications that'll get you in arguments with your friends if you're not careful. But I just wanted you to see what Jesus attached as far as significance and breadth and interaction with the kingdom and the world about being a child. Does it make sense? Something to think on. We'll go back to it. So what are the characteristics of a child? Uh, now, this is an, just a very quick review over what we looked at two weeks ago because it's been two weeks or three. So here's the, the list. So children are innocent, trusting, embracing, loving, passionate, emotional, committed, excitable, simple and direct, desiring to please, compliant, giving, drawn into community, easily friends, devoted, joyful, expressive, naive, dependent, not compartmentalized, naturally self-loving, uh, and egocentric, meaning they're not able to take somebody else's point of view. Therefore, they're not distracted by other people's points of view. Uh, Unfortunately, we see in a fallen society that there are aberrations to this, that children are so relational that when young, they can actually die without contact, and they can be abused, and they can do all those sorts of things. But children's natural vocation is carefree. They are naturally carefree, and with carefreeness, their vocation is play. Their uh, play consists of imagining, exploring, experiencing, and learning. Play creates access for a child to a world bigger than themselves, which is super important when you're only like a foot and a half tall. Play, I declare to you, play will open the kingdom of God up to you and me more than any other kind of study or anything along those lines. Okay? Hey, Jay. If you'll give Laurel, I mean, you're free to do that, but if you'll give Laurel your email address, she'll shoot you this PowerPoint. Yeah, go ahead. Keep taking them. Keep taking them. Children live and react in the present. This is also something else that was important. Uh, Danny Silk was a guy I got to know. Vicky and I got to know a little bit better this, this uh, time. He was up there as a keynote speaker. How many of you have been at a conference where the speakers come in, they sit there leading up to their gig, then they're there, they shake hands, and then they're gone? Danny was the exact opposite of that. He was... He fought through the bitter discussions of our, oops, sorry. He fought through the bitter discussions of our theology group, and he was even joking about it. He goes, he goes up to his keynote speaker in the middle of the, the conference, and he goes, I can't believe it. He said, I, I never thought about time. Really, I don't think I ever thought about it, except, you know, just like looking on my watch or something. But he goes, we spent an hour and a half yesterday just talking about time. <laughs> it was so funny. He's a wonderful guy. Oh, my gosh, he's a wonderful guy. And I've got the uh, conference videos coming Danny's session on the punishment paradigm, and it's coming out. What is it? His book is 
unpunishable. Okay, it's coming out. And um, I don't know how many of you, and this is public knowledge, that's why I'm saying it. I don't know how many of you knew that, that there was a disciplinary action and a team put together that included Harold and Danny and a couple others for Jonathan Welton. And Jonathan's been going through the steps, but very slowly. Uh, it's, everyone's a, a fresh challenge, it seems. Uh, but uh, in the way of relationships, he even gave Danny permission to use this process in a couple of chapters in that book. But Danny is kind of the spearhead for that reconciliation, and he's utterly committed to it, and so is everybody. And uh, uh, Jonathan just made a mess of things because he was isolated. That's really the only issue. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues, but that's the why behind it. And so Danny was talking about punishment, and we'll probably take a Friday and listen to his message because I, there's no reason me trying to reteach it. It's so freaking amazing. It's so amazing. And so uh, our need for punishment reveals that we don't know God. Pretty for sure. Sorry. Busy. Which who? Is my red light on? No, you got a, you got a question or thought? Go, go to the mic, though, so we can hear it. Sorry. I, I just think since kingdom of God is, is what we're talking about, become a child, yeah. can you define kingdom of God? Are we talking righteousness, peace, and joy, or something else? Yeah, we're talking that. We're talking, uh, when I was talking to Jack Taylor, Jack's kind of devoting the last part of his life to the kingdom of God. He's talking about the rule of, of Christ manifest, the uh, uh, making sure that, that Jesus is, is, is known and is in the center of that knowledge and, and that his, what he says people do who he is, people receive. It, it, it's, it's all built around the king and around the king's way, which is the essence of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. It's one of those phrases that we throw around. That it I is. Think Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not that a person can't be speaking the truth and dive into a little part of it, you know, because you can always take a magnifying glass and look at an elephant and see something unique. But... I, I, for what I'm talking about, I'm talking about your and my actual engagement as children of God in the kingdom of God and the force and the energy of the rule of Christ coming on us and coming through us. Now. Yeah, now. With a future. Yeah. So. Yeah, but now. So, and this is the thing that's cool about kids, so. So children are timeless in a real and natural way. They're not forcing themselves to be timeless in an abstract philosophical way. They just don't care about the past and the future very much unless the past has traumatized them so horribly. They just naturally are going to be living in the moment. And that's why you have to call your kids to dinner because they don't wear watches. <laughs> you know. All right. So other characteristics. These are the, remember that uh, thing we wrote up there? So these are those characteristics. They're experts at play, live in the moment, non-compartmentalized. They can be loud, may interrupt and be outspoken. They can be, they are inclined toward direct requests. Request. Their innate expectations are to have their needs met. That's what they innately expect. Okay. We live in reason instead of faith. And so we think our needs are something we have to try to get met. And I, I'm speaking beyond my pay grade now, but I know it's true. If we will live like little children, the, the anxiety over pursuing our needs will drop dramatically because we'll be preoccupied with the goodness of our Father. Um, they don't carry pre, preconceived or, 
or uh, secondary opinions too much. They're curious, inquisitive, imaginative. They don't put any restrictions or parameters naturally imposed on belief. One of the things that I picked up up there at the conference, listening to all of us wrestle with these theological issues, is we have a real, a real problem living by faith and not by sight. We have a real problem living by faith and not by sight. Because sight presents itself all the time. And the issue has, unfortunately, it hasn't been helped that much by faith teachers, by faith denominations, by Pentecostal stuff like that, because it's, all we've done is shifted our sight target to something else. We've shifted it to a physical manifestation of healing. We've shifted it to um, whatever. Faith is in God. It's knowing who our Father is and what he's like and what we can expect of him without thinking about it. So somehow we're going to make progress in that. And I think we're getting positioned to be a big help in the kingdom for that. Uh, They're not judgmental. They're not discriminatory. Naturally, they're happy unless they've been abused and beat up. They laugh frequently, and they react with a full range of emotions. So Richard, never again let anybody wag their finger at you for reacting with a full range of emotions. (laughs) Or anybody else in here. Uh, Yeah. They demonstrate a natural expression of freedom. Here's another thing. Christ died so that we can be free. If we'll learn to look at children and learn to be a child, freedom will come naturally. Because kids are fundamentally free. Unless, again, they're abused. And then they're also capable, and this was one we talked about, Jen, of being a little adult or old soul, and that can be both positive and negative. It just totally depends. Yes, Meg? I have a thought. Yes, ma'am. If you take all those descriptives and then you think of somebody that, has, that is in heaven where God is, and they've lived next to him for a period of time, these would be the things that they would be experiencing. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when we get born, well, we were, first of all, born from above. So that's where we came from. So the process has been that when we came, we started unlearning the things that were part of our life before we came. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve certainly. Okay, so whether, whether the before or, or not, let's just even take the moment of birth or the moment of creation. So Adam and Eve were created made and uh, manufactured out of dirt and breath and ribs and good stuff like that. Try to be technical. The step that, that they took forward, using that word in quotes, was from a kind of naivete that a child has into the kind of sophistication an adult has. The control level that they gained was an adult-type control level. In other words, children could play in the garden and not necessarily be the greatest farmers around, but the garden would still yield every kind of fruit to them. But once the curse happened, once they went from child to adult in nature, he, Adam had to pull that from the earth. He had to work it. Okay? And so there's so much to learn in this thing about child. Again, I don't understand why somebody, because certainly it's not just, this is not a new concept. Why, why the, and there may be, there may be some old medieval saint that's got a leather-bound book stuck away someplace all about being a child. I haven't found it yet, but I'm looking. Because I really think this is like ultra-critical. So, so how to receive, like, so that was review. 
thought I saw that. How are we doing on time? Okay. Uh, how to receive like a child. Is it different than adult? Now we're talking specifically about receiving. Receiving. Is it different than adult? I think, would you all agree that it is? Probably. Okay. So, children, this was uh, from the discussion that we had uh, at the Thursday night group. Uh, children receive excitedly, honestly, gratefully, with curiosity. They treasure the gift. This is an interesting one, too. Value doesn't equal cost or price. A kid's not going to be more excited if you give them a Rolex than if you give them a Mickey Mouse watch. They will be more excited about the Mickey Mouse watch, of course. So the value system of children, the value system of children when receiving gifts is totally different than the value system of adults. Now, I'm not 100% sure where adults have learned their value system. Dan Moeller had a phrase that stands out in my mind. He says, all of us have been homeschooled. The majority of us have just been schooled in the wrong home. You know, we've been living in the wrong home. So whatever the adult value systems are, where do you think, which, which, which would you say most closely corresponds with the value system in heaven and within the Trinity, from the father to his child? Would it be a child's value system or an adult's value system? It'd be a child. What does a child want? A child wants to be loved. A child wants to be held. A child wants to be played with. And a child wants fun things. If that's not a description of the relationship of the father and the son in the spirit, I don't know what is. And if you think it's not a description of the father, son, and the spirit, you need to go home and sell all your old Reformed theology books, and I'll give you a couple of new textbooks to study. Because that is the truth. Yes, Vicki? So I had a fun little experience at Bronc Day yesterday. One of my little friends who just turned seven, I went up to her and I, I told her happy birthday because her birthday was this week. And her, her first words out of her mouth was, did you bring me a present? And her mom goes, you can't do that. You can't say that. And I said, no, 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 it's okay. I said, no, sweetie, I didn't bring you a present this year. And she was like, oh, okay. And then her mom says, tell Vicky thank you. She goes, thank you. And I go, well, I, I hope you had a really good birthday. I felt really guilty for not bringing a birthday present. But it was, it's, that is a child. You that know, a child. that's a child. Egocentric and very much aware that they're special for the week because it's their birthday and everybody should be bringing them presents. Yeah, that's cool. So. Okay, now, the word, ego, the, the, the word egocentric, the, the word egocentric, first of all, that little girl's expectation is biblical, right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It's biblical. It's biblical. Do you have one? That's cool, Vic. Yeah, you kind of you kind of hit on what I was going to go to, Larry. But um, expectation. Yeah. I think expectation is just rooted in a child. As far as you know, just seeing how Jesus operated, you know, an expectation. The Father is going to deliver. He's going to, you know, for this type of thing. I know. I know my boys kind of live in that way too. There's an expectation, even if it doesn't come right away, and there's some waiting and, yeah. and gnashing of teeth during the waiting yeah. process. There's still an expectation of that. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and 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 then to the term ego, egocentric. Uh, we think when we speak about a person being egocentric, we generally mean it as a negative thing, right? That's only because we're looking at it like adults. If you take a person, any one of you, and you're made in the image of God, your ego is that. That's your id, that's your ego, that's that whole inner part of you. Why would you not celebrate that? Because you're believing a lie about who you are. 
Kids don't generally believe lies about who they are. Matter of fact, they see themselves, you know, like when we were talking about doing art or we talk about dance or music, every little kid's an artist. You won't find one that won't pick up a pen and start scribbling until we talk them out of it. Shame on us for having the capacity to do that and surrendering to it. But deliver us, God, from that. So, yeah. Finger painting, face painting. It's going to be a regular part of Friday night. Even if you don't want to come for any other reason, come and we'll paint your face. All right, so how do children receive? We're going to try to get into this and, and just a little touch on it. Well, first of all, and this is something we just talked about, when a child expects a gift, which they naturally do, and what if we just what if, what if we wanted to just impact the world that way, that we went out to some place and we bought a couple of gifts, one for a little boy, one for a little girl, you know, that's like eight or ten years old that would work, and one for a woman and one for an adult man, and we just kept them in our cars. Don't buy candy <laughs> or chocolate because it'll melt. But what if we just had those four gifts? That was just a, a thing we did in life. So that when we bumped into somebody who had a birthday, I have a present for you. If it's an adult, they're going to get all freaked out and weird, and it'll give a, be a perfect teaching moment. And if it's a little girl, like, what's her name? Gypsy. Gypsy. We won't have to disappoint her innate desire to know that gifts are a part of life. We had to create whole denominations back at the turn of the century just to try to reinstate the truth that gifts from God were a part of life. Sure, anything like that. Well, but here's the point. When a child expects a gift, they're expecting a thing, not an idea. Well, I want to bless you, Gypsy. <laughs> huh? <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying blessings can't be things. But fundamentally, can we simplify ourselves enough to just say, okay, Lord, if I'm going to ask you for something, it's going to be a thing, not an idea. The kingdom of God is not an idea. It is a thing. It is a place. It is a reality. Whatever it is, Jen, as we explore it, it's, it's something concrete, tangible. Second, when a child receives a thing, they immediately try to see what they can do with it. No child just starts thinking about something. <laughs> they'll look. They'll bang it. You ever give a, a kid a gift and they start trying to bang it to make it work? And you go, no, no, you're going to break it. I mean, see, it's, it's a doing lifestyle. It's a doing reality. Unfortunately, in the church, because of all kinds of influences of rationalism and adult weirdness, we feel like we have honored something by thinking about it instead of doing it. And we have to change to be like a child. Sonny, get him up. Mike, 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 Mike. I mean, I was just thinking of the context of like healing, the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, if we're operating like children, it brings a whole different atmosphere to that. It's, yeah. a, it's a receiving of a gift. It's not yeah. this big thing we're thinking our way into. Yeah. So. And we don't, we don't, okay, and I've I got to be careful saying this. I don't want to say it. There are reasons that things don't immediately manifest. That's not an excuse to turn the concept of healing into an idea that finds its expression only in a confession. If your arm's broken, it isn't healed until it's not broken anymore. That's a thing. We're praying for Robin's back to really be strong. 
and her hips to really be arthritis free. And it's okay to believe while that process is going on. It's okay to confess while that process is going on. But if you let your, let your lists and your confessions and your doctrine stand in the way of actually unwrapping and holding and playing with the thing you're asking for, you're not doing it like a child. You're doing it like an adult. Okay? And then if it's a really good thing, it usually means you can play with it with others. And in spite of little kids being, being possessive and uh, a little self-centered in that respect, when you give them a gift, they're not going to give it away immediately. They will. The natural way that a child shares is not to give their thing away to somebody else. It's to play with the other person with it. And we could do with a dose of that in the, in the church. Because we're not just trying to hand something to somebody else and then divorce ourselves from the, the, the messy responsibility of a relationship. We're trying to do something that God's given us to do with them. And then you have friendships and fellowship and that type of thing that comes out of it. So there's a lot to this kid thing, I think. I think. Okay. So let's review these again. When a child expects a gift, and that's beautiful, Vicki, that that happened. That's awesome. They're expecting a thing and not an idea. When a child receives a thing, they try to see what they can do with it. And, and so, you know, however you want to try to plug your imagination into that in relationship to the kingdom, what can we do with the kingdom? Think when Jesus introduced the concept of asking our Father to, to cause his kingdom to come on earth. The very next thing he says, give us our daily bread. Yeah, baby, prime rib. Whatever you like. Uh, forgive us. Lift off this burden of shame and guilt. Lift it off and let me be free. Stop it. You know, like uh, Bob Newhart said. Have, have all you guys seen that Bob Newhart counseling video? <laughs> Stop it or I'll lock you in a box. <laughs> to the claustrophobic woman. Uh, it's funny. So anyway, uh, let's try to do that and let's try to do it with other people. Let's be free to do it to other people. God gives us stuff to share our lives with in the doing of it. And that's where the kingdom's going to be. All right, so becoming a child opens kingdom understanding as Jesus sees it. Uh, these are Jesus' insights about receiving and giving. And this is just a quick review of those passages. So now with what we just talked about, we are to be converted and become like children. We are uh, to be humble as that child, which, which without embellishing the scripture, it just says Jesus called a little child to his midst and presented them him to them. So just allow yourself to be called. Let's allow ourselves to be presented. Uh, and then whoever receives such a child in my name is receiving Jesus. Meditate on that, would you? Meditate on that. What in the world could it possibly mean that when somebody invites me into their life, they have a doorway in me to Jesus? I guarantee most of you sitting in this room don't think of yourselves with that sort of esteem, because I don't. But we should. And by golly, by gosh, we will. Uh, and then causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. God's on our side. And he's especially on our side with children. Uh, you know, pure religion, undefiled, is visiting widows and orphans, right? God has a soft spot in his heart for kids. I would appreciate it if you would review the point you made just before the one recently. Okay. Um, about, about a child 
and taking on a child of what? nature of a child. Say it again. Taking on the character and nature of a child. Okay. Well, that's what the whole message is about, is taking on the character and nature of a child. Uh, I think what Jesus said are the fruit of being converted and becoming like a child is so utterly important that I'll be honest with you. It's intimidating to me a little bit. It was intimidating. I came back all fired up to get back into this message. And then yesterday, and partly that was probably because I was only operating on, you know, partial brain power and stuff. But I was, I was struggling because I was putting together some of the notes to finish this out. And I'm going, Lord, these are just laying here flat on the page. This is just me saying what Scripture says. We can all read it ourselves. We can all say that we're supposed to be this, we're supposed to be that, we're supposed to be this. Uh, and I went to bed last night by just making a deliberate choice to trust the Lord. And I woke up in the middle of the night with the thing I needed that I did not see the day before. Okay? And I don't do all my preparation in the middle of the night before a message, but... Uh, we were on a road travel trying to assimilate a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so I'll, I'll get to that. And then see to it that you don't look down on it. <clears throat> so here, this is one of the ways. The first thing, you can't unlearn despising somebody. You have to repent from it. You have to confess it and repent from it. All right? And so if you'll examine yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, have I despised children? And I'm not talking about like your son. I'm talking about the littleness, the, the lack of sophistication, the lack of significant machoism, the lack of esteem or whatever. If you, have, if you have suppressed that, looked down on it, that is something you and I need to repent over. And if you repent over it, God will forgive it and not ever attribute it to your account again. And if you genuinely go through that process of repentance, changing your mind about it, uh, you may have to go through some lessons being nudged by the Holy Spirit to know you're thinking, you're thinking bad about it. I remember when I renounced dualism, I had to be reminded for quite a while, and occasionally still do, but not very often. But the Holy Spirit would remind me, oh, you're thinking dualistically, or you're slipping into dualism or something. So if I'm going to repent of holding in low esteem the characteristics of a child in me and in you, then I might have to be reminded when I put an expectation on you that is an adult expectation, or when I feel like I've got to try to solve a problem from an adult perspective. But it starts with repentance. And, and guys, please don't do it because I'm teaching you this. Jesus said, remember what the context of this was. The disciples uh, said, hey, uh, Jesus, we have, a, we have a, a question here. It's really kind of important to us. We're trying to get organized. We know that you've know, you got, you got a big vision for this group. So who's the greatest? Among us. That was their question. No, no kid asked that question. They don't even have a concept of that. They might have a concept of, you're stupid, or something like that. But, but even, even if, if, if that competitiveness comes out, how many times do you remember hearing it, well, my dad or my brother, he'll do this. That's where their confidence lies, not themselves. So... If you just ask the Lord, okay? I'm not trying to convict you. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord, have I made the mistake of placing greater value 
on adult sensitivities than on childlike sensitivities? And if so, I'm sorry. Help me be delivered from these. I reject them, and I receive these. Okay? Uh, And then understand this. It's not the will of God, nor does he permit that will to be expressed in his presence, is really what the before means, that any of these little ones should perish. And swing that axe and let the chips fall where they may. Yes, Nancy. I want to just make a comment about see not uh, that you do not despise mm-hmm. one of these little ones. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite passages in Scripture is uh, Paul's discourse on Mars Hill because it actually produced the salvation of an entire geographical territory. Yeah. But one of the most important things about that particular scripture that struck my spirit right now is realizing who are all of his children. Because what he said was, I see that you're a very superstitious people, for you have erected an altar to an unknown God, whom not knowing you ignorantly worship anyway. For in him we live, we move, we, we have our very being, for we are all the sons of the living God. And when he made that statement, he was probably the only Christian in the entire stadium. But by identifying with idol-worshiping, sexually perverse people, he won their hearts, and they actually came to him and said, we want to know more about this unknown God. So when when we say, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, we have to recognize that we're all the sons of the living God. And what that means is we cannot despise the homeless. We cannot despise the homosexual. We cannot despise the New Agers. We cannot despise anyone. And that's why the Lord says that we're not to judge them according to the level of our understanding, but through His eyesight. Because when we despise even one of those little ones, we're counteracting that entire scripture right there. Yeah, we are. Hey, I would say amen to that. Jim and I have had some really good conversations because both of us grew up uh, with that idea that you're, you're uh, created by God. Uh, he's like your creator, but he's not your father until you accept Jesus. But uh, the thing that's kind of steered me the other way to ponder, and he and I are both, both working through this and pondering a little bit, there, uh, Paul says in Ephesians that uh, it's uh, our father through whom every family on the earth derives its name. And so there is that. I had a wonderful experience. One of the guys I met named Michael, and uh, his wife' name was Michael and uh, Allison. Anyway, they were in Florida. They live in Florida. And he saw a video, I think from Chambersburg, where I made the point that the, the uh, reference in Joel that the Apostle Peter made to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he goes, i got to meet that guy. Anybody that, that won't restrict the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to believers or to Pentecostals or to whatever the case is. So we had a bunch of fun conversations. And I go, look, I'm not that smart. It's just what it says. You know, there's something of the Holy Spirit in, in these people. And this is part of the message that we are beginning to understand that we're going to have a chance to help other people with. But I, I would agree 100% there, Nancy. All right. So here's the thing that made me nervous. Hey, Larry, can I just say one you certainly may. You know, to despise something discounts that thing manifesting in our own hearts because you're pushing it away. So you can't see yourself as a child 
if you're despising that is absolutely right that's a that's a principle in period if you despise something if you reject something if you judge something it cannot show up in your own heart because your body your mind your soul hears that thing that you do and say it reacts to it and you have authority over your own life in that in that sense in a way so you can't do it that's a great point all right so i'll be honest with you hey like this is serious Took me back to the first meeting with Harold. Hey, this is serious. But I don't have time for that story. Yes. Tim, you got something? Yeah, jump up, bud. Uh, yeah, the other verse that uh, Jesus talks about, uh, 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 tying a millstone to your neck and, and throw it, is uh, uh, teaching the little ones uh, offense. And uh, I, I was wondering, uh, could, could little ones be also referred to like... Uh, when I was 40, I was two years old in the Lord. In the Lord, yeah. So yeah. I, I wasn't chronologically young, but I was yeah. uh, very young. You know, that's, uh, that's the direct interpretation that Eugene Peterson uses in the message. If you read this Matthew 18 passage in the message, he talks about young believers. And it's the same one that Brian uh, Simmons, who we met at the conference. So I do think it's applicable that way. All I want to be careful on, though, is I don't want us to lose the truth by, by being a little too allegorical. I think the allegorical truth of that, that a young believer, a new person in Christ, is young, and we need to recognize that, that youth and, and, and value it. But I don't want to lose the fact that we have living examples of children in our midst that we can begin to pattern our, our own lives, even if we've been saved for 40 years or something like I have. Okay, so this is serious. This is serious. I will remind you that if you don't get this point, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Pregnant pause for emphasis. If you don't get this point, if I don't get this point, we're not going to enter it. Now, let me tell you how a guy like me reacts to that when I think about it. I take responsibility for everything. And so when that impact hit me yesterday, as the logical conclusion of all this stuff that I had typed out and thought about, I thought, well, crap. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to make you give it up, give up your adulthood to become like a little child. I don't know how to do it. I don't even know how to suggest it. To... And then this happened. God didn't make us to be adults. Oh, wait, it's not my responsibility to make you do that or to figure out the clever way to teach it or the, the right formula, the right words, the right prayer, the right formula, the blah, 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 blah. All that stuff is that whole adult. God didn't make us to be adults. Probably going, aren't there some, Paul says, leaving time. Uh, how about maturity? Uh, till we grow up to the fullness and measure of stature. This way my mind works, you know, in the scripture. Yeah, the fullness of the measure and the stature of Jesus. So, do you think the Father always treats Jesus like an adult? Or do you think that there's times where he goes, my boy, and he comes running? Did, did the Father that Jesus told us about in the in the prodigal son parable? Did he treat his son like a child or like an adult? The son was prepared to react like an adult. 
Well, here's the situation, Dad. I've screwed up this way. I've done this. I've done that. This is what I'm going to do to make amends. I realize I've disqualified myself from being in this. <laughs> do you see? That's us. That's adulthood. Crafting our way through life. Or it's Eve thinking, hmm, it's desirous to be wise because if, if I just keep being like this, I'm just like, I'm just kind of hanging out and I don't really know what's going on and I'm just enjoying it and I'm eating the fruit. And somehow that left a bad taste in her mouth. We're not made to be adults. We're made to be children of God. We sacrificed that birthright and that's why Jesus came. So that if we would receive him, believe on his name, we would have the power to become the children that we are once again. And that's, Jim, why I think we have to see everybody as children. Because if, the, if, if they aren't already children, then they don't have a journey. They have, to have, some, they have some other identity out there. And, 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 and it's not then a matter of that identity being suppressed and them not living with it. And, and I, I think the consequences of not living like a child are super dire. I mean, I, you know, I'm not at a place where I can't say somebody could choose to uh, retain their adult arrogance infinitely. I hope not, and I know God doesn't want that. But regardless of the, of the eschatological questions, we are coming to who we are, to who God sees us as. He's the one. He's the one that determines who we are. And I will tell you this, God looks at us as children. The father in the parable never quit looking at his son as his child. He never did. And for us to impose on him, that reality would be stupid. So I need somebody that has... Uh, anybody got a New American Standard with him? Anybody got a Bible with them that they'd like to read this passage of Scripture? 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Or, or your phone, or if you've got it memorized, that'll work too. All right, buddy. Read it loud and clear. Listen closely. God didn't make us to be adults. It's not our burden. It's not my challenge to teach you guys how to become an adult or how to stop becoming an adult. Okay? Go ahead, Tim. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that, would, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Amen. Thank you. Did you guys hear that? See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. Now, Jim, this is another one of those things that, that uh, factors in my argument. He says that we would be called children of God. Who has the authority to call us that? It's got to be God himself, you know. And such we are. Now, this could be applied to believers. And if, 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 if you got to, and I'm just talking to you, jumping anybody. If, if people want to make that case, well, that's fine. But then if they also claim to be a believer, 
then embrace the reality of this thing about being a child, okay? And we'll argue over that other point uh, over, over coffee and bananas or something, some other way. But that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us, because it didn't know him. Beloved, when are we children of God? Now. now. Ronnie? Now. now. Thank you. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet appeared as yet what will be. This is the confusing part. Okay, this is the confusing part. Because there is a now and a not yet. There is a, a, there is a reality and a non-manifestation or a premature manifestation or a hidden manifestation. But look, we've got to learn this stuff. And it has not yet appeared what it will be. We know that when he appears, and then Jen stepped out, when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. That is the essence of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, don't look over there, over here, you know. It's here, it's, it's with you, it's at hand. Uh, the kingdom of God can be studied in detail, but that's not how you experience it. You experience it in the person of Jesus. You got questions, really? Yeah. Okay. So, as you're talking about this, um, I'm reminded of all the movies or... Wow, I'm a little too deep here. Let me fix that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds manly. That sound guy needs to work on his stuff. Um, so as we're uh, thinking about this, I'm reminded of all these movies and the way that people do like a, a spoken Bible on CD or something like that. Uh-huh. Everything that Jesus does is extremely serious. It's so serious. It's so adult. It's so, yeah. But... What you're saying today really makes me think that we have to think as Jesus being childlike as well. Really, yeah. And how how would he say things? How would he react? What would his personality be in that situation as we're reading through those scriptures? I think yeah. there's a really big, important piece of this that we're just missing completely. Like, I, I think when Peter was walking on the water and he started to fall in, I, I see Jesus laughing at him. There's got right? to be some change. I mean, think of the times that he pants those guys on the beach when they were by themselves. <laughs> I mean, there has to be something. There has to be something. I know, it's a little irreverent. Some people are turning pink or whatever. There's got to be something. Because Jesus is going to live this way. Jen, the, the point we were making here, this last one, is... Uh, when, we, when he appears, okay, when, when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him just as he is. And seeing Jesus as he is, is the essence of the kingdom. The, the other details can be analyzed and they exist. There's no question about it. There's protocols, there's governments, there's powers, there's all kinds of stuff. And we were in the conference and somebody was say, uh, saying something about Jesus never laughed. The reason is, you know he never laughed because you never saw it in the... In the, uh, in the recorded in the scripture. But J- Jesus only did what his father did, right? Wake up. Where, I don't know where the Psalms is. Uh, is it Psalms like two or something like that? Where, uh, yeah, they, you know, the Gentiles plotted things and these evil things plotted against him and his anointed one. And God in heaven laughs. Well, if God in heaven laughs, Jesus laughs. Because he is God in heaven. On earth. So the essence of the kingdom, and, and this is something else I saw. I sat in a room with a bunch of really wonderful men and women, Vic and I did, and they all have their theologies, they all have their, their thoughts and this kind of stuff. There comes a time when I could tell in people's lives, you can only focus on so many things. And the kingdom is that way. 
There are people that are called into the scientific release of the, of the things in the kingdom. There are people called into the spiritual, mystical release of the things in the kingdom. Joyland, and this is, brings me to, to my kind of point, Joyland, for a long time, and you know if you've been here a long time or if you've intermittently been here a while, Joyland is to focus on Jesus and see the kingdom released through knowing him. That's our worship. That's our meeting. And so I had, I had this, uh, um, I, this happened about four times up there. And I don't want to distract from the essence of the message by talking about me, but, but I think it, it applies to us. So uh, Jack pulled me aside. Jack, a guy named Jack Taylor pulled me aside. And he said, you know, you have a tremendous influence over Harold. Harold has a tremendous influence over the world. He said, you've got to keep doing this. Because I had to like, get in Harold's face a couple times over some things. And, and then, oh, thank you. Somebody is trying to get us to have shorter services, so they've turned the board time down. That's clever. I'll figure out who that is. And, uh, uh, so, so in, in, in any way, uh, it was cool, and it was all done in love, and that's the nature of the theology group. And Harold came up and said, man, I need you to do that, because I know I can get burrowing down this direction, push everybody one way. But Jack said, you need to understand that you have a place in the middle of this. And then another guy uh, that I had met at the Open Table Conference pulled us aside at the breakfast meeting on the last day. And he said, Larry, he said, there are people that are called to be at the beginning introducing things and at the end uh, trumpeting them. But he said, there's got to be people called to be in the middle to take a person from here and let them know it's okay to take time to get here. And guys, I think that's, that's who we are as Joyland. That's who we are. And so I wanted to... Uh, I want, to, I want to finalize this point. One, this is serious, but thank God we're not the ones that have to do it. All we've got to do is give in to what God's already done. He has made us children, and it doesn't yet appear. So if you get caught with your pants up as a little child, I mean as an adult, we'll forgive you. But eventually, we've got to go kids. We've got to go children. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, before I do the final close two, I, did I see Hava on there? Okay, your wife's on. Hava, um, one of the things that I went up to, uh, and, and this is for Jeremy, if you could pass it on to Amy if she's not in the room. I went up there to uh, uh, make contact with a gal named Jocelyn, who's the children's pastor at uh, Mark Derniak's church, World Harvest Outreach in Chambersburg. And uh, the leaders and stuff were talking about what to do with kids, and I mentioned we're going to have it. So I, I pulled Mark aside finally in the middle of this intense schedule, and I said, Mark, here's the thing I, that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, would you give me permission to approach Jocelyn about helping us build a curriculum out of all of these topics so that if we're talking about this then we have a kid's version of it that's set for Zoom for parents to do at home that can have a special night, that can have a, a quick version for Friday. And he goes, stop. He said, here's what I think I ought to do. Uh, he says, if you'll take care of her when she comes out, I'll pay to cover her costs to get to you and to get home because she's going to want to meet you guys face-to-face. You're going to want to have that at the base of what you're doing. Is that amazing or what? Awesome. So, so that is the follow-up on the kid thing. And... I walked away from the whole experience realizing that if I'm going to stand here and wax eloquent about some theological topic like wrath, I also have to figure out how to have a kid's version of that that doesn't scare the, the bejeebies out of them and, and, and get this going. So 
stuff's coming together. But I wanted you to know that that's the way the Lord's working on our behalf. So I don't know exactly when it is. We'll put it together pretty soon. And Hava, I want you to be involved in, in meeting her and in helping and Amy. Uh, and and uh, Kathy, you've done so much for our kids. If you want to be a part of this, where you're sitting there, you know, and we'll have a dinner or something like that. And just what is it that could put these truths or confirm these truths that are probably already there in the heart of these little kids? So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. You guys are all invited. Anybody wants to help? All right. So the thing here, I forgot what I was going to do. Oh, yeah. Would everybody stand up, please? And I'm going to close here. Uh, better late than never. What I want you to do is uh, I want you to, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm, trying, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give us an experience of our position in the kingdom in respect to this idea of being a gateway for someone who's stuck in adulthood to experience childhood. And so if you could just stand there and close your eyes and envision yourself. Father, I, I, I ask in Jesus' name that you would cause us all to have a sense of our ourselves. And you guys stand up at home and do this if you could. Have a sense of ourselves as children. And the first, the first way this is going to come is through your inspired imagination in our lives. So just, just stand there with your eyes closed in, in kind of an open position and try to envision yourself not being the grizzled, wise adult that you are, but a child. And don't go back to an ugly childhood if you had it. Let God give you a fresh one, a new one. And then I want you to envision reaching out with your left hand and taking the hand of a person. Could be somebody you know, like Ronnie, I'm thinking your renters, or uh, could be anybody. Richard, somebody at, at uh, Burning Man. Somebody who's got the, the part in their heart that's longing for God to love them and be their father, but they don't think he is because either they're over-sophistication or because they've been They've gotten wind of the gospel too many times. That's all about rules and all about sin and repentance. But just take their hand and hold it for a second. And you're a little kid. Envision yourself being shorter than they are because they're still in their adultness. And then reach yourself out, your, your right hand out, and take Jesus' hand. Feel it. Feel it. And then when you can sense this, just bring those two hands together in front of you. That's who we are, guys. Holy Spirit, make this real. And if we can't quite get all the imagery down today, let us take time tonight at home, tomorrow, to begin to agree with you and see ourselves converted and becoming as little children. And then see that child reach up to the weather-worn hand of a homeless person or to the soft hands of a uh, video game player, just whatever. And then into your majestic hand, Lord, we put our others. Give us the grace and give us the anointing to be a little child who brings together the longings of one heart to the satisfaction of the other. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um.
Yeah, we'll see you next Friday. Next Friday is our first Friday service. This, this coming Friday. This coming Friday, 6.30. 6.30. Those of you that like to drift in a couple minutes late, we're going to try to have a fairly short service, so be warned if you get too late, you'll miss it. <laughs> but uh, hopefully it'll work. Uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, no particular time or date works for everybody. Um, but I think this is a big deal. It's a fun thing. It's going to be fun. It'll be set up a little differently in here. And we'll see you next, next Friday. Also, obviously, if you can't make it, we're going to be on Zoom. It'll be ready to rock and roll in that respect. God bless you guys.